welcome to We Are Our Own Lovers, a podcast about the weird and gorgeous work of being in relationship with our actual selves. The messy, the devious, the divine. I'm Kelsey. Let's get real, lovers. Hey, y'all. How you doing? It's been a minute. I needed to take some time away from the podcast. Um, It's been part of my work to um, be practicing regularly anti-white supremacy and anti-racism in my life. And in the last two weeks when um, the uprising has happened across the world, I needed to be present with it. I needed to be active in it and so um that meant that i had to pause on on some other things that that i either hadn't been um i I needed to look at things for myself about where my anti-racism work was what was happening with it um how it needed to change after and during Uh, this movement, this moment, which meant that I needed to step away from things. I needed to, you know, continue to learn, continue to listen, continue to question myself, look at myself. And I knew that I couldn't do that. Um, I knew I needed my energy to be somewhere else. So my Instagram and this podcast were two of the two things that um, had to be paused for a little bit, you know, because I knew that I needed to be here in a different way. I needed to talk to, I need to talk here about my own whiteness committed to anti-racism. I needed to be receptive to what was, you know, so beautifully so graciously being given to me through black educators black activists black advocates um about their experience and about what's needed right now and i needed i had to pause i had to stop and remind myself that i don't know that i can't know what's right in terms of what you know my action needs to be how i need to be showing up because i can't trust my whiteness to determine those things. So I need to be receptive. I need to listen to experience, to wisdom, to knowledge, to insight, to, you know, what is happening for folks that I don't have the same experience as. And then from there, I get to move from a place of integrity of, you know, what I'm able to create in the world. So needless to say, what Kelsey learned last week was to shut the fuck up and to listen was to, you know, look with integrity at myself was to, you know, be present with what's true, with what's real and not let my white guilt my white saviorism, my white bullshit, you know, take over and direct me into something that is not what I need to be doing. You know, I had to be really slow and intentional here. 
in terms of like what I was creating to put out into the world as a white person in this moment. So I have a list. I mean, also I need to say that I have made a list of um, black educators, activists, mental health professionals, um, amazing people <laughs> that I follow um, through social media. Um, I have a list of them in the show notes. So uh, I would encourage you to look into all of them. I need to really acknowledge and hold space for the fact that like none of the things that I am talking about on this podcast would be possible if I did not have the privilege of being able to hear um, experiences and truths from these folks, you know? So I want you to follow them. You know, they have been deeply impactful to me and I think that they offer so much wisdom and also I need to say that you know when you follow them I you are required to be respectful you are required to be quiet to listen to not impose yourself on anything that they're posting okay it's expected that you will pay them for what you are learning because that's how this relationship works you know and to honor them as full people as people that are experiencing beautiful and amazing lives that that we are getting the privilege to view, you know, we are getting the privilege to see. And so treating it as a privilege, because that's what it is, is important. So um, what kind of started me, I mean, what kind of focused me, I guess, because I had been kind of like wallowing in a lot of these thoughts um, and not really knowing what to do with them or like what they meant or like I was feeling really overwhelmed with a lot of it but something that focused me was I um I was listening to a watching and listening to a um Instagram live between Erica Hart and Ebony Donnelly Erica Hart um is a black sex educator and racial and social and gender justice disruptor is how they call themselves on Instagram. They are just, they're fucking phenomenal. And Ebony um, is their partner and doesn't have um, like any type of social, like Instagram. So um, he's on there a lot with them. They work together and live together and they're just amazing. They're just wonderful people. In the Instagram live that I was watching, um, they were talking about how frustrating it is and how like pointless it feels for white folks to be like, um, you know, but what do I do? What can I do? <laughs> Which is, white folks, we need to stop asking that. <laughs> um, there is so much that is being offered that we can do. And there is this like version of whiteness that takes so much bullshit to, to like ask a person of color or a black person specifically, like, what can I do to end racism? is really just fucked up and not not what not where we're at anymore. So, I mean, not that it should have been where we were at ever, but we got to do better than that. Um and so in response to that question, Ebony um responded with they that he wants white folks to be asking who would I be without racism? Asking themselves, you know, not black people. Like and for me, that meant, you know, like my, my understanding of that question, which maybe isn't what he was really asking was like, systemically, who would I be? Like, what are the privileges and, um, you know, 
protections that I have had as a white person in this society. And also for me, it was about like, because I've, I've looked a lot at that, right? Like, so then for me, the deeper layer that came through in that question was about like, what does whiteness innately do in me that I have to be aware of that there's a possibility of me getting out of? (laughs) I don't know if that makes sense. So like, who would I be without racism is a question of like privilege and power, but for me is also a question of possibility. Who I could be without racism means that there are ways of being that are not rooted in white supremacy. And the possibility of that is actually what I need to be focusing on in order to be able to witness and change the white supremacy that's inside of me. Which, like, I realize, like, maybe a lot of people are already, like, knowing this, right? But for me, at this point in my journey and my experience, that was, like, mind-blowing in some ways. And maybe that's not where you are, and that's totally fine. But, like, I just, that's what came up, and that's what I needed to really go into for myself at this moment in time. Um, I'm just going to briefly say it is a trick of white supremacy that we other people, we other other white people, to be able to distance ourselves from what is true about whiteness. Uh, so we are all racist. We have all been indoctr- indoctrinated into white supremacy and the culture of whiteness. And so in order to face those things, to change those things, we have to understand that we're all already there. And then we have to turn to look at those things. And if we're othering, you know, if we're othering racists, if we're othering um, cops, if we're othering, you know, people who enact white supremacy in a very different way than we do, then we are giving ourselves permission to continue the violence that has sustained us. And I mean, that's, that's the core of what has been coming up for me, is that I know that for myself and for other white folks, we have to acknowledge that whiteness equals violence. That whiteness, that our whiteness, that our, our very presence in, in the world because of what white supremacy has done and how we have all been indoctrinated into it. Our whiteness is violence. Period. Because of how we show up in the world, because of the history behind it, because of how we communicate, because of what we believe, because of the um, implicit nature of whiteness. Like, even our very presence in a room is violent. Because of all of these things that whiteness holds. And it feels like to me that that is where white folks have to start. Have to, they, we have to accept this innate violence in us that we have been taught not to see because it is the way white supremacy functions. It is the core value of white supremacy is violence. So if we're looking at ourselves and we're trying to understand whiteness in us and it's, you know... I mean, because we have been indoctrinated into it, because we, it is such a powerful force in us, in our society, 
it can feel like when I say whiteness is violence, I'm saying all white people are violent, which is true. I am saying that. I just want to be clear. And that can be really hard to hold because we want to believe that like if we're a good person, that we won't harm anyone. That if we're a good person, then there isn't any way violence could come through us. And that's just not true. As white people, because of the historical experience of white supremacy, because of the way that it exists right now inside of you, inside of me, whiteness is violence. Also, Brandon Kyle Goodman um, spoke about this around allyship this week, and you should look into it. The reason why whiteness equals violence, the reason why whiteness is so violent is because white supremacy exists within, with, like, on top of the implicit belief that the only, way, the only way to exist in the world is to have power over others. That like, the only way to feel safe in this world is if you take control of others. And that is the violence. Violence is the key to how power is taken to white supremacy. That's the only way for you to ensure your safety. If we're looking at white supremacy, the truth that, the, that all of white supremacy is laid upon is that the only way to have power is if you're taking it from others. The only way to take it from others is for you to use violence. Because that is the core tenant, because that is like the foundational belief of white supremacy is that the only way to stay safe the only way to stay in power is for you to take control of others to be in control over others and to do that through violence that means that that when you are not living up to the expectations of white supremacy then you deserve to be punished you deserve the most violence possible so whiteness is telling us that in order to stay safe, we have to have power over people. And in order to have power over people, we have to utilize violence to control them. If we exist in the world in a way that doesn't meet these expectations of whiteness, then we fear that we will be punished and put to death. Because that's what we're witnessing white supremacy do, whiteness do, to folks of color, to black folks specifically, all the time. We, as our white selves are observing how whiteness exists and what it means to not meet white supremacy standards all the time. We're witnessing that all the time. And because of this, there is no room for accountability at all. Because the, the choices are you are white and therefore you are in power. You are meeting white supremacy standards through violence. Or you are the person who's experiencing that violence. You are the one who is being attacked, being harmed, having your power taken away. So there's no accountability process that can be even happening here because harm is the norm. Violence is the norm of what white supremacy expects. Which then also means that like white folks who are even a little bit aware of what's happening in terms of um, like racial justice that means that there tends to be a really strong fear in them of retribution. Because we have that implicit belief of violence, we assume that everyone else will want to kill us for the violence that we have enacted. Which is actually not true. And I, I mean, like, that's one of the important 
things for me when we're looking at the ways white supremacy lies to us is that there are other ways to exist that do not meet violence with violence. And black folks and folks of color have been showing us this for years, for generations. But whiteness wants us to believe that that's not true so that we will continue to enact its violence and keep it in power. So it is vital that we understand that there are other ways of being. And through that, there is a, a way to connect to humanity, to understand the connections of humanity in a way that whiteness has never allowed us to before. So with our whiteness, trying to understand how it moves within us so that we stop enacting violence, um, the ways that it shows up is through white logic, which is essentially rooted in fear. And I'm going to talk about some specific beliefs that I know about within white supremacy. And if you all have other beliefs you want to talk to me about, I would love to hear them. Um, this is our work as white people is to be looking at white supremacy and understanding how it shows up so that we can then challenge it inside of ourselves so that our violence can stop. So our actions can change. The parts, the beliefs that I want to talk about around white supremacy are... Um, White supremacy tells us that scarcity is inevitable, that, that power, the, that there is not enough power for everyone to have some, that there is not enough safety for everyone to have some, which then also co connects to competition. White supremacy fucking loves competition because competition is a way that we understand scarcity. It's like an enacted, a lived experience of scarcity because only one person can win. <laughs> Or only one team can win, right? So, like, scarcity is innate in all, in many, at least, of the forms of competition that we have. And that's directly rooted in capitalism also, right? Like, capitalism is just another function of white supremacy. And capitalism speaks to this, like, scarcity and competition model. Also connected to those things are perfectionism, individualism, and entitlement, right? So, like, perfectionism... I mean, fuck, perfectionism is like, it's, for me, perfectionism is one that I get caught up a lot in, specifically when it comes to like how white supremacy tries to undermine any type of action I'm taking against um, it, <laughs> right? Like my perfectionism about like being a good ally, which I don't even know that I can't be an ally as a white person, but like being good or like, you know, showing up for the cause or whatever like my perfectionism gets in the way there because it often tells me i'm not doing it right i'm going to be called out and if i'm called out that means that violence should be enacted on me if we're talking about individualism we're talking about like this undercurrent of ideas for white supremacy that like we're all individual so like my choices don't really impact anybody else again no accountability no responsibility to anyone else but yourself and super isolating. It's a, it's a way for white folks not to have to face what it means to be part of humanity. So the lie of individualism is there to help disconnect us from something bigger. Okay. I hope y'all are still with me. I know that was a lot. Um, it felt important for me to name those things, and I hope that... Um, if this is the first time you're hearing about this kind of stuff, about the ways that white supremacy works, um, I would love you to contact me and we can <laughs> talk about it more or I can give you some resources to read and um, get into. Um, 
I will list some um, places that I have learned about this, about how white supremacy exists in me. I will um, list some resources in the show notes as well. So well, let's go back to um, Ebony's question of who would you be without racism? Like all of those ways of being that we just talked about, the white supremacy expects of us and like makes us enact in the world in order to feel like we have some sense of safety. If that was gone, who then would I be? What has really like struck me in the last two weeks is that it, it, the truth in me is because I am white, because I have been indoctrinated into whiteness and white culture, that means that violence has always been part of the way that I love the way that I am in relationship with others has always involved violence. And that's fucking... That is, for me, both deeply painful to acknowledge and also deeply liberating to see. And I say liberating because that means that the ways that I, that means I get to own all the bullshit that I've done, right? That means that I get to stop pretending like I am not harming others when I have harmed others. That means I get a space to be accountable. And also, it means that there are other ways to exist that aren't just this. So I want to kind of briefly talk about the ways that I'm seeing Um, white supremacy being in relationships, showing up in love. Um, So love as defined by white supremacy to me and my understanding is that violence, harm, and control are innate, right? I mean, like that has to be the, the core tenant of love within white supremacy is that there is violence. There will always be violence if we're working from a place where the baseline is white supremacy and love is imbued with it, right? There can be no accountability. So like, I mean, I'm also specifically thinking about the ways that I have showed up around accountability and relationship and there has been very little. I mean, very little solid accountability, right? I've had to learn accountability on my own from from many different sources, specifically not white sources, about what accountability is and how it it can show up. Because white, white supremacy, whiteness is like, not, we're not doing that. So then that means that like in relationships, when I have been in love with folks, there has been no accountability on my part about ways that I have harmed them, violence I have enacted against them, violence I have experienced from them. Like there's no accountability there at all. So violence has always been perpetuated. It has then created a cycle. I mean, it is a fluctuation for me is what I'm seeing in this like white supremacy love moving in violence and fear that's the cycle i've been i mean there's been several folks who have been um connecting the way white supremacy works in the world with like the cycle of abuse within um intimate partner violence and that's exactly true to me that feels exactly true of the way that i have known my own whiteness to be in the way that i've interacted with whiteness around me Um, And that's why fear is the baseline, is because we're either in violence or we're either in fear. There's an inconsistency about white supremacy that is part of how it controls. In all relationships, really. 
And then the other piece of that, um, which is, I mean, maybe that's the other piece of like this violence, fear, wheel, um, is like white saviorism. Sonia Renee Taylor spoke about this recently um, in like an Instagram live video um, about white folks like sending her money and then being like, this is for your emotional labor. (laughs) And she was like, what the fuck is that? I mean, like, and I want to say like, that's totally something that I have done before, you know, but what was so important for me to hear when she talked about it was that this is the emotional labor she has been doing her whole life around white supremacy and in general, like her whole life, she has been doing emotional labor and she should have always been paid for it, right? That should have always been part of, I mean, that is part of reciprocity and white saviorism is about not understanding what reciprocity looks like. White saviorism is about like, well, here, I'm going to now do this thing because it makes me feel better about whatever harm and violence I've caused you. Where in reality, in like a, in a different version of reality that's not rooted in white supremacy, reciprocity is built in. So of course you would be giving money to someone who is then teaching you things. Like that is a reciprocal relationship, Right. The other part of white saviorism that I think is important to note, which is just core to whiteness, is an ownership over others, which is definitely part of the way that I have loved in the world. And I think, you know, monogamy for me is really connected to that. And um, Jessamyn Stanley talks a lot about this um, in several different places that I've listened to. And it, it feels so important for me as someone who is working to exist in like a non-monogamous poly way that connecting the idea of like monogamy which has implicit understandings of like owning another person is then connected to white supremacy and those I mean like I think that you can definitely work to take ownership out of monogamy so if I mean I'm not saying that everybody needs to be poly that's people get real upset about that so I'm just naming it right now um Uh, but I do think that that's something that we have to be looking at in terms of how we love, that there's an expectation that we like own the other or that like we, in order for us to feel safe in love, we have to be in control of the other. And that's a form of violence within this like way of loving within white supremacy, you know? So then, I mean, where I go from that looking at that version of what love has been for me and what I'm, how I'm seeing white supremacy like intricately woven into it, then the question becomes what is possible outside the violent love of white supremacy? Like the violence that white supremacy creates inside love. If our foundation is white supremacy, what else is possible if we are disrupting and disengaging and trying to end white supremacy, right? What else is possible here? How else could I be loving in this world? And for me, I mean, for me, the first thing that comes up is, is if white supremacy is innately about violence, then what is any type of other kind of love going to be rooted in? 
any other type of experience, what is that going to be rooted in that is not violence? And for me, I'm thinking about like reciprocity and compassion because those things feel like the opposite of violence to me. Reciprocity meaning like mutual aid, an experience of sharing things with others that benefit both of you. Compassion is about like humanity. It's rooted in humanity and an understanding that like we are all connected beings and we have to honor that life force of being human like as as the foundation of what it means to be in connection and from that place honoring the complexities of each person that you are in connection with so working from working our way from reciprocity and compassion as being like the underlying core of the way of existing in the world that's like opposite white supremacy then the values that come up for me are about recognizing and respecting and valuing personal power. In white supremacy, there is not an acknowledgement that we each have our own individualized power, that like we are innately powerful because we are a human being on this earth. Our power, our personal power, the ways that we exist, that everyone has, right? Everybody in this world, every human being, I mean, I would even say probably non-human experiences lie here too but there there is power that is innately in us that white supremacy says is not true white supremacy does not acknowledge or allow for any type of personal power to be present because it can't function if we know our own personal power if we know ourselves and who we are in the world well enough to know our own personal power white supremacy can't control us in the same ways So then if we're existing in the type of way that's outside of white supremacy, we have to know our own personal power and how that connects to our humanity, how we can honor others' personal power through our humanity. And, and if that's the value system that we're working within, then freedom becomes the expectation. Because we don't need to be an acting power over anyone else to be able to know that we are worthy. To be able to know that we deserve to exist in a world without violence. That we can be safe. Freedom is knowing we can be safe because there is plenty for all of us. Because we are in an ecosystem of connection. That like we as an individual are just as important as the ways that all of the connecting people and both are equally valued. If freedom is the expectation, then we're trusting in ourselves and others. We're utilizing soul care because we understand and honor the humanity in all. And then also because of this, I mean, if we're rooting our existence in the world in these things that are so counter whiteness and white supremacy and the violence that is innate in that experience then that means that there is an understanding that control and violence are not the norm those things are not normal and when they happen they have to be honored by accountability they actually can't exist in this new, in this, it's not new, right? I need to say that. This is not a new way of existing in the world. This is just a way that white people have not been taught or they, we do not know how to exist in this way. And we, 
in my opinion, for me personally, I have to be cognitively aware of these ideas and how things could be different in order for me to then make the progress and work inside of myself to end violence, which then also means that I am changing the violence that is put outside onto other people. So that the actions that I am taking to end racism can be grounded in humanity. So going back to accountability, accountability is required if harm is not the norm. Accountability has to be present. And when I say accountability, I want to be clear that what I'm talking about is like if three steps, if not more, <laughs> um, of acknowledging the harm that you caused, the violence that was caused, the control you tried to enact that was violent, apologizing for it and the impact that it made on others, and then changing that behavior. It always comes back to changing behavior. There has to be action behind it. There has to be. So that that violence is not perpetuated. These things, the way, for me, this is something that I haven't, and maybe, okay, I just need to acknowledge that, like, I'm on a different path, I'm on a different journey than, like, a lot of folks, right? Like, this is, this is where I am at with my own whiteness. This is where I am at with my understandings of white supremacy and how they have controlled and defined me in my life. Maybe you've been here for years, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe this is like old fucking news to you. And that's great. Please contact me if that's true, because I am definitely interested in, in hearing what else is possible beyond this, because this is just where I am right now, right? And it is a process. It is, it is slow progress. And maybe this is like something that none of these things are things that you have even been exposed to or thought about or like, you know, realized you could be excavating inside yourself. We are all coming to this at a different place. And if I am trying to enact anti-racism in this world, love for black people in this world, that is rooted instead in reciprocity and compassion, then I have to show up in a way, and I have to show up as a white person to help other white people do this work in themselves. I mean, I also want to say that like, if we're showing up in a place that is from reciprocity and compassion. That does not mean that white people gets like a free pass for their bullshit. <laughs> I think that's understood, right? The understanding there is like um, accountability has to be done. And if accountability is not being done, then that's an act of violence. So then if that's true, reciprocity and compassion look very different when you're, in act when you're engaging with someone who is still deeply rooted in the violence that they cause through their white supremacy, through their whiteness, right? As a white person who is doing this work and who knows that my place in a lot of this work is talking to other white people about realizing and understanding our own whiteness so that we can stop enacting violence on other folks. And disrupting whiteness when violence is happening. That work has to be grounded in reciprocity and compassion. And it does not mean that I am then giving passes to folks who are still violent. It is in fact the opposite of that, where I am noticing, where I am looking at, where I am seeing the violence that is occurring inside of myself and in other white people. And I am then actively engaging with that in a way that says, you have to quit doing that right now. I also want to say that like white supremacy violence shows up against ourselves and against others. Like it is a both experience. We are violent towards ourselves, just like we are violent towards others. And I know that to be true because I have watched it happen inside of myself. 
And obviously that is not the same as the way that white supremacy enacts my violence towards other people. And also it is important to note that that is happening as well. It is yet another place we have to disrupt white violence, you know? And disrupting white violence is up to us, white people, to do. <laughs> Are you still with me? Did any of this make sense? I mean, in all honesty, part of me, you know, I really want it to make sense. I want you all to be with me in this. I want you to, like, see where I'm at and to see it inside yourself and because it feels like steps towards what has to be happening at this point like where we have to be if we're going to continue the momentum of the uprising and and the change that that deeply is in need of happening we all have to be all of us white folks have to be doing this kind of work in some way in my opinion so i want you to be here with me and also part of me knows that it doesn't really matter if you're here with me or not because this is the work I had to do to get to a place where I can stop the violence that, that is so innate in me. So the last thing that I want to talk about in this episode is the ways that the things we just spoke about then become action. Because when we're understanding that we can exist in a different way, when we're understanding that we don't have to exist within the parameters of white supremacy, that means that we have to take action. We have to be doing things that support humanity, that fight for humanity. That fight for black people. And so I think that for me, that means that we're looking, I, need, I have to take this into a place where I am living it. So when I am understanding that I have been living from a place of violent love, of white supremacist love, then when I choose to exist in this other way, my actions reflect that. My actions have to show that, right? And for me, that action means, you know, all kinds of things like signing petitions. That is an act of love now. You know, contacting Congress people. That is an act of love. Speaking to the, like, you know, CEO of my organization that I work for about what we're doing to support black folks and BIPOC folks in our community, what we're doing in terms of my coworkers, how we're supporting them. Is this a safe place for my BIPOC colleagues? I mean, we're talking about interrupting whiteness, interrupting violence. That means going to protests and putting my body on the line. That means literally interrupting, like physically interrupting when I'm seeing white violence happen. That means, you know, talking to people in my life when they want to avoid it. Asking them to look at themselves. And then, you know, acknowledging my own space and like how I have done the same things, how I am being accountable now by, by having a conversation with them. By showing up in some way. By donating money, by, by donating food. Doing what I can to be accountable for the harm that I have already caused and to stop harm from happening in the ways that I can now, you know? I mean, these are just a few, these are just like a few things, right? This is like, and this is all stuff that has been talked about. This is all stuff that is actively being talked about on social media of ways that white people can be involved. For me, the difference feels like 
these things that I am doing, I am now doing from a different foundation. I am now understanding them through a different lens, which then I am able to move past the white bullshit that comes up when I'm trying to do them anyway, you know? The judgment, the guilt, the whatever that comes up, all that white shit that comes up. When I'm trying to enact something, I'm trying to have a conversation with someone, I'm trying to, you know, do something that is is challenging for my whiteness in whatever way. If I can remind myself of the foundation I'm now working from, that means that I have a way to get around that white bullshit. And I need that. I mean, I don't know if anybody else needs that, but I need that, you know. What do you all need? Are there things that you found that you need in order to move forward in this work, in order to show up, in order to do the hard stuff, in order to be uncomfortable, you know? I'm curious if you want, I would love to be in conversation. I know I say that in every, every fucking episode, but like really with this specifically, we have to be in conversation. One of the things that I've talked about, I mentioned on my stories, one of the things that I am looking to create is um, like a monthly accountability group for white folks so that we have a place that we are stating what it is we're actively doing and then coming back to check in about if we did those things or not. Um, Historically, for me, accountability groups have been really difficult to get people to stay in because whiteness often wins out, you know, um, which is why I want to keep making them, <laughs> which is why I need, I think I need, I think others need um, a space like that. So um, if you're interested in that, please send me a DM. Um, let me know that you'd like to be involved. I'm not sure what the platform or like how we're going to do that is, but if I know that you're interested, then I will let you know. Um, how it's moving forward. Okay. Thank you for being here. I will talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. <laughs>